Hi, I'm Max. I'm an engineer and inventor, and I've got a problem. You see, this here is my invention, the Vagaltron 2000. It opens up portals to other dimensions, which I have been traveling through pretty consistently once a week to parallel dimensions. But recently, each time I go to another dimension, the leprechauns show up and kidnap the max of that dimension. And I just, I, t I can't have another kidnapping on my conscience. At least I, I hope they're just being kidnapped. I don't, I don't know. They're bringing them into a portal and it's, it's bad. I can't have another one of those on my conscience. The leprechauns are after me and I just, I haven't figured out a way to, to just get away from them. I think the house is protected. Multiple layers of curry powder around it. Hey, Max. Oh. Oh, yes, uh, this is my roommate, Jack Strobe. You got a check from the city of Seattle. What? Yeah, uh, a $1,000 check from the city of Seattle. Something about uh, letting the homeless camp on your yard or something. Apparently, uh, do, they, do they know about me? Do they think I'm homeless? Uh, but I'm not camping in your yard, so I don't I don't know what don't... The, this is about. But What? All right, hang on. Let me grab the recorder. Let, let's go in the living room and look out front. Pull open the shades here. Oh, no. Oh, no. Those are leprechauns. Tiny yes. tents, but you do fear to have a tent city um, uh, all in front of your house. I bet it's all around your house. Let's go look out the side window. Yeah, let's check. Okay, yep. Yeah, that goes clear around back. Yep, yep. Oh, gosh. Wow, That's we're surrounded. That's not good. Yeah. I, any idea how long they've been there? I haven't actually been outside in the few days. Well, I, I the last 24 hours is a bit of a blackout. I, I've had too much of your whiskey, so... Um, okay, you should lay off of that, seriously. But, uh, hmm, what are we gonna do? Okay, so I can't really go to another dimension, because I haven't figured out a way to stop Max's from getting kidnapped. It's happened two weeks in a row. I can't leave the house. Unfortunately, I've grown too fond of you to take you out there and claim the reward. Oh, there's a reward? What? Oh, I'm sure. The leprechauns pay generously for anybody they're after, but... Oh, boy. Curse my affectionate heart. Uh, I just don't think I could live with myself if I took you out there and turned you over to them. All right. Well, listen, I'm already recording. I feel like I got to put out something, even if I can't visit another dimension yet, because we haven't figured out this problem. How about this? There's a few other kinds of podcasts that I've been wanting to launch, kind of a, a side projects lately. Uh, you know, maybe we could just test one of those out. Can you be my my co-host for a podcast? Yeah, I probably I probably do that, as long as it's something fun. All right, sweet. I only do fun things. Did I tell you my New Year's resolution? No. Only do fun things. Oh, okay. All right. Really stretching yourself there. All right. Well, believe me, this will be fun. Here's the idea. Here's the pitch. Book review podcast. Book review? Yeah, book review. A total blank stare just washed over your face there. I, do I have to actually read a book? Yes, I'm, I'm talking about book. Look, here. Like this. This book right here. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell? Who's that? You never heard of him? Does he write, like, chase scenes and fast cars and... No. And pretty women and that sort of thing? No, it's like intellectual stuff but like becoming an expert on something oh man uh I, I don't think that i would do a book review podcast if there was literally nothing else to do in the universe i would probably just sit uh, and stare at a wall okay fine listen what if i read a book to you how about that but i read you the book you don't even have to read it can i, like, I read just it to lay you. down on a beanbag chair and close my eyes and maybe go to sleep while you read to me you're not much of a co-host if you're sleeping you gotta actually participate uh, in the review i was of thinking the book. it could be you could call it like 
bedtime story podcast or something like that. And I could just sleep. No, I don't. I'm not interested in one of those podcasts that just puts people to sleep. Oh, okay. Well, I'll try it. As long as I don't have to read anything long and boring. Okay, fine. Nothing long. Uh, let's see. How about... Uh, ah, here. This one. Okay. Uh, well, it, it is a book. But in this book, we've got a whole bunch of multiple stories. Do you have this in your dimension or any the dimensions you've spent time in? Uh, Grimm's Fairy Tales? The Brothers Grimm. You ever heard of them? No. All right. Okay, great. Well, this will be fun. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Here. Oh, here's a good one. Okay. Let's start with this one. Anytime you've got any thoughts, just just jump in. We can pause and uh, we'll talk about it. We'll right. see where it goes. Okay. This one's called Rumpelstiltskin. Once there was a miller who was poor, but who had a beautiful daughter. This is a promising start. Yes, right? Now it happened that he had to Wait, go and speak to the like? king. I need the full picture here, man. I don't know. Don't skip anything. I'm not skipping. It doesn't say. It just says beautiful. Okay, Cindy. In my mind... It's Cindy. Go on. Okay. It happened that he had to go and speak to the king. And in order to make himself appear important, he said to him, I have a daughter who can spin straw into gold. What? Oh, man. This is even more interesting. Okay. The king said to the miller, that is an art which pleases me well. Well, yeah, I'd imagine so, right? If your daughter is as clever as you say, bring her tomorrow to my palace and I will try what she can do. I'd try what she can do. Mm, Cindy. Not like that. Ah. And when the girl was brought to him, he took her into a room, which was quite full of straw, gave her a spinning wheel and a reel. Okay, that did not go the direction I thought it was going to go. He gave her a spinning wheel and a reel and said, now set to work. And if by tomorrow morning early you have not spun this straw into gold during the night, you must die. Wow. Oh, wow. Man, this Miller must really have been tired of his daughter. I don't know if he quite understood that making that promise to the king was going to result in a death sentence for his daughter when she didn't perform. And hang on, is this straw thing an analogy? You think it's like a metaphor for other things? Or you think it's actually literally spinning straw into gold? I never really thought about it this way. I have no idea, but if there's a double entendre, I'm on board. All right. Thereupon, he himself locked up the room and left her in it alone. So there sat the poor miller's daughter, and for the life of her, could not tell what to do. She had no idea how straw could be spun into gold. Poor Cindy. And she grew more and more miserable, until at last she began to weep. But all at once, the door opened, and in came a little man, and said, Good evening, Mistress Miller. Why are you crying so? Huh. A little man. Where did this guy get the key? I thought the door was locked. Yeah, the king locked the door himself, but this little man somehow came in. Doesn't say how. Sounds like she's hallucinating to me. You know, that could be. Maybe she is hallucinating. Probably mold in that straw. Some of those molds can really throw you for a loop if you breathe in the fumes. You know, that is an interpretation that I think has a lot of promise. Alas, answered the girl, I have to spin straw into gold and I do not know how to do it. Yeah, because it's not freaking possible. That's why you don't know how to do it. What will you give me, said the mannequin. Hmm. And that's spelled M-A-N-I-K-I-N. Okay. Not like a store mannequin, which is not written on this page. So I couldn't tell you how to spell it, but it's got two N's and a Q. Right, right. What will you give me, said the mannequin, if I do it for you? My necklace, said the girl. The little man took the necklace, seated himself in front of the wheel, and said, whir, 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 three turns, and the reel was full. He put another on, and whir, 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 three times around, and the second was full too. And so it went on until morning, when all the straw was spun, and all the reels were full of gold. Wow, some necklace. No kidding. By daybreak, the king was already there, and when he saw the gold, he was astonished and delighted, but his heart became only more greedy. Well, duh. 
Yeah, it's never enough gold. Been there. He had the miller's daughter taken to another room full of straw. Okay, I, I, here's what I want to know. Why does the king have so many rooms in his palace that are literally just sitting full of straw? And why does he not, like, watch this process unfold, right? Because you'd think it's a skill you'd want to learn rather than leaving it up to her. Yeah, absolutely. You would want to watch this happen. It certainly wasn't established. She could only do this in private. All right, she's taken to another room full of straw, which is much larger and commanded her to spin that also in one night if she valued her life. And so he's he's still gonna he's still gonna kill her even after all the gold that he, that she spun for. Right? Him. Like I don't think he understands proper motivation tactics here. He needs some business lessons. The girl knew not how to help herself and was crying when the door again opened and the little man appeared and said, "What will you give me if I spin this straw into gold for you?" The ring on my finger, answered the girl. Okay, here's what I want to know. Why does this little man need any of this stuff if he can literally spin straw into gold? How is yeah. this in any way a motivation to him? There's so many things that don't make sense about this story. The little man took the ring and again began to turn the wheel and by morning had spun all the straw into glittering gold. Nice. The king rejoiced beyond measure at the sight, but he still had not enough gold and he had the miller's daughter taken into a still larger room full of straw and said, you must spin this too in the course of this night. But if you succeed, you shall be my wife. Dang. Whoa. Okay. This just took a weird turn. Is that a good thing or is it a threat? I, I mean, it's been a threat all the other nights. I can't help but read that as a threat, too. I don't know. At that point, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to not spin straw because I, I don't want to marry this, this dude. But yeah. And he thought. Even if she be a miller's daughter, I could not find a richer wife in the whole world. When the girl was alone, the mannequin came again for the third time and said, What will you give me if I spin the straw for you this time also? I have nothing left that I could give, answered the girl. Then promise me if you should become queen, your first child. Wow. Who knows whether that will ever happen, thought the miller's daughter. And not knowing how else to help herself in this strait, she promised the mannequin what he wanted. And for that, he once more span the straw into gold. That does seems like maybe... Not the best strategy. Because, again, the king didn't threaten anything if she failed. This time he he threatened her if she succeeded. Right. Maybe she could just go home. Yeah, maybe. And when the king came in the morning, he found all as he had wished. He took her in marriage, and the pretty miller's daughter became a queen. A year after, she had a beautiful child, and she never gave a thought to the mannequin. But suddenly he came into her room and said, Now give me what you promised. I mean... Should have expected that. Right. The queen was horror struck and offered the mannequin all the riches of the kingdom if he would leave her the child. But the mannequin said, no, something that is living is dearer to me than all the treasures in the world. Maybe that's what he was after all along. Maybe. I, this guy can turn straw into gold. I guess maybe he can see the future, too. And then the queen began to weep and cry so that the mannequin pitied her. I will give you three days time, said he. If by that time you find out my name, then you shall keep your child. Now, see, here's where I think the authors made a mistake. They titled this story Rumpelstiltskin. Bit of a spoiler here. <laughs> yeah. On like the pivotal bit of the story. They should have named it Mannequin. Exactly. The clever mannequin or something. Yeah. Spoiler right in the title. So the queen thought the whole night of all the names she had ever heard, and she sent a messenger over the country to inquire far and wide for any other names that there might be. When the mannequin came the next day, she began with Casper, Melchior, Balthazar, and said all the names she knew, one after another, but to everyone, the little man said, that is not my name. Every name she knew? Wow. Wow. Also, Casper, Melchior, and Balthazar. That's where I'd start, too. On the second day, she had inquiries made in the neighborhood as the names of the people there. And she repeated to the mannequin, the most uncommon and curious, perhaps your name is Short Ribs or Sheepshanks or Lace Leg. Okay, these names are amazing. Short Ribs, Sheepshanks or Lace Leg. I 
lace leg is just, that one really gets me. That's what my girlfriend used to call me. I'm not going to tell you why. I don't want to know why. But he always answered, that is not my name. On the third day, the messenger came back again and said, I have not been able to find a single new name. But as I came to a high mountain at the end of the forest, where the fox and the hare bid each other good night. Wait, this world has talking animals? And we just now find that out? Man. I, I saw a little house. And before the house, a fire was burning. And round about the fire... Quite a ridiculous little man was jumping. He hopped upon one leg and shouted, Today I bake, tomorrow brew, the next I'll have the young queen's child. Ha! Glad I am that no one knew that Rumpelstiltskin I am styled. Okay, so here's the thing. Why would he start his message to the queen with, I haven't been able to find a single new name? Like, you'd think you'd lead off with, I totally saw this dude chanting about stealing your child, and here's his name. I I found it. Why? Like burying the lead here, dude. Yep. You may think how glad the queen was when she heard the name. And when soon afterwards, the little man came in and asked, now, Mistress Queen, what is my name? At first, she said, is your name Conrad? No. Is your name Harry? No. Perhaps your name is Rumpelstiltskin. The devil has told you that. The devil has told you that, cried the little man. And in his anger, he plunged his right foot so deep into the earth that his whole leg went in. And then in rage, he pulled his left leg so hard with both hands that he tore himself in two. The end. Yeah. If I had a nickel for every time that had happened to someone around me. The names part or the... Uh... The tearing themselves in half. I mean, it's just, mm. it, it's, it's common, you know. In other universes, I guess. Because uh, not here so much. Uh, maybe you just haven't seen someone angry enough. No, clearly I haven't. All right. Well, there we go. That was Rumpelstiltskin. What'd you think? Let's give it, you know what? For our book review podcast, let's give each of the stories a score from one to 10. All right. Um, on a scale of one to 10, I give that one um, a six. I'm going to give it an eight, primarily based on the weight of those incredible names. Lace Leg, right. Sheepshanks, Melchior. I mean, honestly, those are all better than Ruffles Stiltskin. Yeah, I give it an eight. It gets docked a few points for A, spoiling the ending when the title of it, and uh, for B, the way the messenger totally buried the lead on the last day. That's just not believable writing, I don't think. But but overall, I think pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Ruffles Stiltskin gets an eight for me. All right, let's try another one. Little Red Cap. Little Red Cap. Also known as Little Red Riding Hood. I think Little Red Cap in this one is a more literal translation. Once upon a time, there was a dear little girl who was loved by everyone who looked at her, but most of all by her grandmother, and there was nothing that she would not have given to the child. Once she gave her a little cap of red velvet, which suited her so well that she would never wear anything else, so she was always called Little Red Cap. A lot of grandmas are that way. Yep, that seems pretty believable so far. One day her mother said to her, Come, Little Red Cap, here is a piece of cake and a bottle of wine. Take them to your grandmother. She is ill and weak, and they will do her good. Set out before it gets hot, and when you are going, walk nicely and quietly, and do not run off the path, or you may fall and break the bottle, and then your grandmother will get nothing. And when you go into her room, don't forget to say good morning, and don't peep into every corner before you do it. Wait, what? Don't peep into every corner. Is that some sort of weird foreshadowing? I, I, I feel like uh, maybe the the... Little Red Riding Hood's mother knows the grandmother and maybe knows some of the things that might be in those corners and just doesn't want Little Red Riding Hood scarred for life. That, I, yeah, I don't know what is going on in that grandmother's house. Yeesh. Don't look around too much, Little Red Riding Hood. I will take great care, said Little Red Cap to her mother and gave her hand on it. The grandmother lived out in the wood, half a league from the village, and just as Little Red Cap entered the wood, a wolf met her. 
the red cap did not know what a wicked creature he was and was not at all afraid of him. Good day, little red cap, said he. Okay, the talking animals again? Okay, so did th- I wonder if the Brothers Grimm came from a different dimension where talking animals were. I mean, because there are plenty of dimensions with talking oh, yeah. animals, but oh, yeah. in this world, that's not a thing. It used to be probably, but not anymore. Oh, you you think? Maybe? Hmm. Yeah. I thought of that. A lot, a lot of dimensions, uh, some of the species lose their ability to talk over time if they don't use it enough. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's go with that. I mean, the Brothers Gim did write these stories like 200 years ago, so yeah, it's possible. Thank you kindly, Wolf. Where do you go so early, little red cap? To my grandmother's. What have you got in your apron? Cake and wine. Yesterday was baking day, so poor sick grandmother is to have something good to make her stronger. Where does her grandmother live, little red cap? Okay, I I mean, did her mother just not teach her not to talk to strangers in general, whether they're wolves or not? Maybe this that's seems the like... uh, point of the story, is to teach children not to talk to strangers. I guess. A good quarter of a league farther on in the wood, her house stands under three large oak trees. The nut trees are just below. You surely must know it. That is the weirdest address I have ever heard, I have to say. All right. That's what little red cap replied. The wolf thought to himself, what a tender young creature. What a nice plump mouthful. She will be better to eat than the old woman. I must act craftily so as to catch both. Ah. So he walked for a short time by the side of Little Red Cap. Then he said, see, Little Red Cap, how pretty the flowers are about here. Why do you not look around? I believe, too, that you do not hear how sweetly the little birds are singing. You walk gravely along as if you were going to school while everything else out here in the wood is merry. I mean, the wolf has a point, right? Like, you should pay attention to your surroundings. Taking the beauty of the forest. Forest is a lovely place. Lovely and dangerous. Yeah, and well, certainly in this universe with the talking wolf that wants to eat the girl and her grandmother. Little Red Cap raised her eyes, and when she saw the sunbeams dancing here and there through the trees and pretty flowers growing everywhere, she thought, suppose I take grandmother a fresh nosegay. That would please her, too. It is so early in the day that I shall still get there in good time. Okay, I'm going to guess from the context here that a nosegay is a flower that I've never heard of before. Well, maybe it makes your nose feel happy and gay. Maybe. And so she ran from the path into the wood to look for flowers. And whenever she had picked one, she fancied that she saw a still prettier one farther on and ran after it, and so got deeper and deeper into the wood. Story of my life. Yes. Yes. Deeper into the wood, huh? Just getting distracted by one pretty thing after another. Yeah, so by pretty thing, of course, you mean cons. Uh, More and more attractive cons. More and more attractive ladies, more and more attractive wealth, just flooding from one thing to another like a debauched butterfly. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Meanwhile, the wolf ran straight to the grandmother's house and knocked at the door. Who is there? Little Red Cap, replied the wolf. She is bringing cake and wine. Open the door. Now, hang on a sec. First off, you'd think the grandmother would be able to tell the difference between her granddaughter's voice and the voice of a wolf. And also, the wolf literally just spoke in the third person. She is bringing cake and wine. Yeah, it uh, it does seem a little unlikely. Lift the latch, called out the grandmother. I am too weak and cannot get up. Oh, boy. The wolf lifted the latch. The door flew open. Without saying a word, he went straight to the grandmother's bed and devoured her. Oh, boy. Boy, I bet that bed was messy. No kidding. He put on her clothes, dressed himself up in her cap, laid himself in bed, and drew the curtains. Yep. But apparently did not clean up the mess. Yeah. Yikes. Little Red Cap, however, had been running about picking flowers. And when she gathered so many that she could carry no more, she remembered her grandmother and set out on the way to her. She was surprised to find the cottage door standing open. And when she went into the room, she had such a strange feeling that she said to herself, Oh, dear, how uneasy I feel today. And at other times, I like being... 
with grandmother so much, she called out, good morning, but received no answer. So she went to the bed and drew back the curtains. There lay her grandmother with her cap pulled far over her face and looking very strange. Well, yeah, let's say strange. Oh, grandmother, she said, what big ears you have. The better to hear you with my child was the reply. There's another moment here where you would think voices would be recognized or not Yeah, you would think, right? Like, she literally just had a conversation with this wolf, like, minutes ago. And yet she doesn't recognize the wolf's voice. Maybe this particular wolf is just really good at voice imitations. Apparently, yeah. But grandmother, what big eyes you have, she said. The better to see you with, my dear. But grandmother, what large hands you have. The better to hug you with. Oh, but grandmother, what a terrible big mouth you have. The better to eat you with. And scarcely had the wolf said this. Then with one bound, he was out of bed and swallowed up red cap. Yep, serves her right. That's not the end of the story, though. Apparently it goes on. When the wolf had appeased his appetite, he lay down again in the bed, fell asleep, and began to snore very loud. The hunter was just passing the house and thought to himself, how the old woman is snoring. I must see if she wants anything. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Yeah. How how big are wolves in your dimension? Is it plausible that a wolf could eat an entire human being and still be hungry for another. Certainly not the kind of wolf that I'm familiar with, but, you know, also the kind of wolf that I'm familiar with can't speak. So, Hmm, good point. uh, This must be some kind of mega wolf. Also, I wanted to point out in that last sentence, the hunter was just passing the house. Like, the hunter? There's only one in the whole wood? He's the hunter. Maybe it's like, the hunter for their village or something. I guess. So he went into her room, and when he came to the bed, he saw that the wolf was lying in it. Do I find you here, you old sinner? Said he. I have long sought you. Yeah. All right. He's, oh, he's the hunter of the wolf, apparently. I see. Then just as he was going to fire at him, it occurred to him that the wolf might have devoured the grandmother and that she might still be saved. So he did not fire, but took a pair of scissors and began to cut open the stomach of the sleeping wolf. What? Just slept right through it. So hang on. The hunter came into the room, shouted at the wolf, who still didn't wake up. I mean, I guess he would have been tired from all that eating. But still, the hunter is cutting him open with scissors, which he also just had. Why does the hunter carry the scissors? Ah, There's so many questions here. And how did a wolf devour two human beings? And apparently there's a possibility that they're still alive. That is also a very big question for me, because that means the wolf is not only large enough to consume them, but large enough to consume them in a, a single swallow. In which case, why would he even care about the taste, right? Like earlier, the wolf said that he would like the taste of little red cap better than the grandmother. Well, but if he's just going to gulp them down in a single bite, I don't think he's tasting. Yeah, no chewing. All right. When the hunter had made two snips, he saw little red cap shining. And then he made two steps more, and the little girl sprang out, crying, Ah, how frightened I have been! How dark it was inside the wolf! And after that, the aged grandmother came out alive also, but scarcely able to breathe. Well, yeah, I'd imagine. Redcap, however, quickly fetched great stones, with which they filled the wolf's body. And when he awoke, he wanted to run away, but the stones were so heavy that he fell down at once and fell dead. Okay. Now, hang on. That was what finally did him in, is just stones. Cutting open the stomach didn't kill him. And and while they were at it, they didn't bother to just kill the wolf who ate two humans. But they put the stones in his body and apparently sewed him back up. Yeah, so it would seem. And trying to run away made him fall and he died. That is a very convoluted way of taking out this threat. All right. Then all three were delighted. The hunter drew off the wolf's skin and went home with it. The grandmother ate the cake and drank the wine which Redcap had brought and revived. But Redcap thought to herself, as long as I live, I will never by myself leave the path to run into the wood when my mother has forbidden me to do so. Ah, a little bit of a moral. That's the lesson? Don't leave the path? Oh, boy. Okay. All right. What's your rating for 
little red cap. You know, it didn't have a beautiful woman in it. And it, there was just so much implausible stuff. I just have, I'm going to have to go drop it a couple of notches to a four. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give that one a three. There, there is just too many open questions on that one for me. I don't understand the size of the wolf, why he cares about the taste. Well, I, especially the whole put the stones in the wolf and he dies when he falls thing. I, that, that maybe it was supposed to be slapstick comedy. And I just, I don't get it. I think that, I think that must be it, but still, I, I'm going to have to. That one gets a three for me. Yeah, I give it a four. All right. Well, there we go. That's Book Review Podcast with Max and Jack. Um, what do you think? You think we should do this one again? I think we should never do this again. No. Oh. Never? Never. Literature, oh, man. It's a scourge of humanity. All right. Well, fine. I guess Book Review is not going to live on as its own podcast. No, you've got to figure out how to get rid of these leprechauns. I yeah, think your, I your traveling podcast between dimensions is is probably much more compelling for your listeners. I know. It's much more compelling for me, too. Okay? It's what I'd love to be doing. Just uh, not super fond of the other Maxes getting kidnapped. I mean, we did talk about the whole throw curry powder on them to try and protect them thing, but... I think you should I try that. I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know. Wait, you you still have uh, access to the interdimensional library, right? Well, I have the coordinates. It'd be awfully hard to travel there if... No. They don't have like a interdimensional internet terminal you can tap into and order books remotely? Maybe, actually. Yeah, we probably could pull something like that off. What about books by mail? We could we could we could mail in an order through our slot. We got the interdimensional mail slot here. Yeah, but then they keep sending them to you and billing you for them and you and it's pretty much impossible to get them to stop. All right, well, listen, let's let's brainstorm if there's any books we can think of that could help us with this predicament. Books. Uh, okay, we're not going to review anymore. Okay? How about TV? Right, we're just... Let's do TV. Okay, well, does the Interdimensional Library rent DVDs or something? Uh, probably. Fine, DVDs then. Anything that can help us with this leprechaun situation. We're, I mean, we're going to run out of food eventually. It'll be a while, but all right. Well, uh, well I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop recording. Book review podcast is over. We're going to try to come up with some sort of solution. All right. And uh, well, I don't know. We'll see where we are next week. Dispatches from the Multiverse is produced by Tim Ellis, starring J.R. Willett as Jack Rip Van co-host Strobe, and Tim Ellis as Max. Theme music by Alpha Geek, logo by Abe Schmidt. Listen to an entire bonus episode of Book Review with two more Grim Tales by supporting us on Patreon, where you'll get exclusive bonus content like raw, unfiltered episodes, peeks behind the scenes, and extended editions. And of course, remember to follow us on Twitter at DispatchesFM and visit us online at dispatches.fm. <laughs>